Sunday of week six is almost over, and what a Sunday it has been so far. We've got a Kyle Pitts touchdown. The Browns beat the 49ers with P.J. Walker at QB. The Jets beat the Eagles while only scoring one offensive touchdown. And as I record this with Sunday Night Football happening, the Bills are actually losing to the Giants currently, down 0-3. to We'll see what actually happens there. But that does mean that it's time for the good, the bad, and the box score. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. What's going on, everybody? Wyatt here yet again for another episode of the Good, the Bad, the Box Score, although maybe with a little bit more of a raspy voice after I had a little bit too much fun at a wedding last night. But before I actually jump into things, I just want to ask everyone out there, if you're not subscribed to the JWB YouTube yet, mean a lot if you did subscribe and like this video it's the best way to support us we're on our way to our goal of 2500 subscribers by the end of the season and we'd appreciate your help and your support let's start off with the injuries we've got for this week as there are some big ones uh first we've got ryan Tannehill, who has a possible high ankle sprain could be out for a good bit of time uh it looked pretty rough for him and I know what you're thinking, like no one's starting Ryan Daniel, really not even in Superflex leagues, but we are starting some of the weapons for the Titans. And without Ryan Tannehill, if this offense can't function, like that's a problem for everybody involved. Uh, we saw last year, like Malik Willis was unable to really do anything in the time that he had starting. Although I think he's made some improvements and looks better this year. Like I'm still not expecting a lot. So if it is going to be Malik Willis, I mean, I guess we'll hear if, if Will Levis gets a chance here, although he's been inactive this entire time. Um, it's going to really downgrade the players in that offense. Debo Samuel has a possible AC sprain from what is being speculated. He could miss a couple weeks if that's the case, so something to monitor. Justin Fields dislocated his thumb in the game, wanted to get back in, but uh, did not end up uh, finishing out that game. He needs an MRI. They're going to go send it to see if there's any like real structural damage done to his his hand or his thumb. So something to monitor there. Christian McCaffrey uh, only played like half the game today uh, against the Browns. He's got what looks to be like an oblique strain from what I'm reading, um, which normally carries like one to two weeks. Someone would be out, but we have to figure out what's really happening here and what's uh, what that means for how much time you might may or may not miss. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo left the game and then was immediately transported to the hospital. Uh, so it's being speculated right now that he was going to get a CT scan to look for either spine or any kind of organ damage that could have happened. Um, we don't know a lot right now, but it's kind of a scary situation if someone has to get transported to the hospital during the game. Um, so another one to look out for. Jimmy Garoppolo was maybe on radars for Superflex leagues, but similar to Ryan Tannehill, this is more of what does it mean for the weapons? And we did just see Aiden O'Connell start a game earlier this year when Jimmy Garoppolo had to miss some time with concussion. And Aiden O'Connell, while like didn't look great for most of the game, in garbage time, he was able to rack up some of the yards for everybody there uh, with the Raiders. So like just knowing he's capable of doing that is is nice. Like he may not help them win games, but as long as he's helping us get fantasy points, that's all we care about. And then Dave Montgomery left the game with what looks to be maybe like a rib injury or something. He took a really hard hit where he got tackled on top of the football and he immediately turned over in pain and never uh, never went back in the game. Um, so just something to see what the actual damage is there because we don't really know. 
All right, let's get into the best and worst performances of the week. As a reminder, this isn't just uh, who had the highest fantasy points, who had the lowest fantasy points. we got to have some context in here. Uh, it is about who scored a lot of fantasy points, but it's also about the ones that mattered the most and information we can get from them. Uh, so starting off with Raheem Mostert, 17 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Three targets, caught all of them for 17 yards, and another touchdown, 32.7 half PPR points. We keep seeing this in this offense. Uh, if a running back is going to get carry uh, or a lot of opportunities, they're going to be an RB1 and a high RB1. Even when they're not getting a full workload, uh, they can be that because the offense is so dynamic, and these running backs with the speed that they have there in Miami uh, are able to just run through these lanes that are getting open for them and make big things happen. Now, uh, Jeff Wilson uh, was designated return from the IR, but did not actually play this week. He could play next week. Last year, when Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert were playing together, Wilson actually had the slight edge and opportunities between them. I don't know if that will hold true again this year or not, especially when you consider how well Raheem Mostert has been playing. Uh, but we are going to have to, you know, monitor to see is Jeff Wilson going to play next week. If he does, like you're going to have to at least knock Mostert a little bit, um, and we'll see how much they actually split between them uh, until we get Devin Achan back when he returns from injury. Next up for another good performance for this week, we've got Amon Ross St. Brown returning from injury. He had 15 targets, caught 12 of them for 124 yards and a touchdown, 24.4 half PPR points on the day. He had 34.1% target share uh this was just awesome to see we know who amon ross st brown is but returning from injury like the, you have to have a little bit concern of how well he's going to perform returning from that and uh, he was just back to 100 looked like to me it's i also wanted to bring this up because you know jameson williams is back to playing it's his second game back from suspension and he's continuing to be just pretty much a role player in this offense now jameson williams did have the impressive touchdown in this game, a 45-yard uh, touchdown where he had to adjust to Jared Goff's throw because uh, it wasn't a perfect throw, and he made a good play on the ball and scored the touchdowns, like, which is awesome. Like, That's going to happen. That's what Jamison Williams does well. But still, at this point, Jamison Williams is a role player, and Amon Ron St. Brown is the alpha in that offense. The last good performance I've got here is Kyron Williams, 21.8 half PPR points on 20 carries where he had 158 yards and scored a touchdown, but no targets. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up because this is something I mentioned last week on this show that he's not involved in the passing game as much with Cooper Cup back, and that kind of lowers the weekly floor for him. Now, luckily this week he got to play the Arizona Cardinals defense, which while looked like they had some signs of life earlier in the year. They've There's two weeks in a row now where uh, they really did not put up much of a fight. And Kyron Williams had a very efficient day, uh, much more efficient than we're used to him having. Uh, he normally does not have, you know, like this kind of yards per carry, even though that's like a bad stat. Like it's to, to use for looking at like future success and stuff, like just looking at this game and looking at his, his game logs, like this is easily the best rushing day he's had. Um, so far this year so it's you know you can't expect that kind of a day out of him every single week rushing that well uh, i think he's shown in his time that he's not quite at that level 
if he's going to continue to get 20 carries though, like, like I mentioned last week, he's still an RB two, like at worst, it's just counting on RB one weeks out of him. I think are going to come fewer and far between now with Cooper cup back because that, uh, target share has just fallen down. Um, and then just one little note, you know, to even get into about his type of efficiency, uh, according to next gen stats, he had zero carries with eight plus defenders in the box. And it's his second game this season in which there's uh, he's done that. The thing is, though, he's the only person who has any game, any running back who has a game where he hasn't faced a carry with at least eight defenders in the box once. So that's part of the reason why I think he's having some of these efficient days. But that seems like a trend to me. Defenses don't respect the run game. They're just trying to stop Matthew Stafford in the passing game. If that continues... Kyron Williams will continue to have like these easy boxes to run through. So he could have these successful days as you know, it's just, I it's, it's a delicate like line. We're trying a needle that we're threading, you know, with Kyron Williams where he's easily an RB two because of the rushing volume he's going to get every week, but it low his floor is lowered because he's not getting the targets we want anymore with Cooper cup back. But then we also know like there's this trend going on with the way defenses are playing the Rams I, like he basically settles in for me as a high end RB two. I think week in and week out from here on out, um, we'll see. Like if he, if he's just going to continue to be efficient because the way defenses are playing the Rams, I'm going to have to get back to ranking him as an RB one. But without that target volume, I struggle to do so. All right, let's talk about some of the bad performances we've got this week. Starting off, and this one is really sad. Hits me in the in the chest in the heart here with. Jahan Dotson, who I honestly could have talked about multiple times so far this year because he is having an absolutely dreadful year compared to expectations. In this game, one target, no catches, nothing. And if you look at his half PPR points this year, starting in week one, it's 6.5, then 3.7, 3.1, the one game where he scored a touchdown, 4.5, and then the zero points this week. Um, prior to this week, Jahan Dotson was at least still involved, you know, target wise, he was getting the targets, just not quite getting there on, uh, points and, and performance. And there was reason to believe like things would turn around because last year when we saw him while he was playing healthy, he was very good. Um, but this year it's just not there for him and seeing a game where he gets one target and that's it is rough. Uh, at this point, Jahan Dotson's a wide receiver four. Like he's not even on uh, radar to start in any league, really. Uh, you'd have to be pretty desperate to want to put Jahan Dotson in your lineups at this point. And that's pretty sad. My next bad performance is Joe Mixon. 12 carries, 38 yards, four targets, caught three of them, 24 yards, but no touchdowns in the day. 7.8 half PPR points today. He's now only averaging 10.2 half PPR points on the year. Joe Mixon just doesn't look very good. He's still getting enough opportunities. I believe he's had at least 17 opportunities in every single game. But he's not doing anything with them. Part of that is that the Bengals defense has been, or Bengals offense has been bad so far this year. But Joe Mixon certainly isn't helping his case. And I don't, right now he's really trending towards more being a, RB3 because of the points you're actually getting. The usage says RB2. Uh, you know, you kind of have to hope that the offense continues to improve and get better and better. And 
touchdown opportunities will be there for him. But right now, you know, he's a low end RB two for me, I would say moving forward, just because the points are not there. Uh, it's hard to trust. Like he's got this kind of a floor <laughs> just because of the volume, but like that floor is pretty low considering the volume that he's been getting. Last bad performance I've got for this section is Damian Pierce. 13 carries, 34 yards, and no targets. It's the first game this year in which he's had zero targets, and he only played 35% of the snaps. Devin Singletary actually played more snaps than him with 52%. Um, Boy, I don't, like, what is there to say here other than, like, Damian Pierce is just not it this year. Uh, I don't think he looks quite the same as he did last year. Um, He's not really, he's just not getting it done. We were hoping for more passing game usage. Uh, there, he got a little bit of that early in the year. Today, 0%. The fact that Devin Singletary played more snaps than him, I think is a big red flag here. Like, I, as far as I know, Damian Pierce didn't suffer any injury in this game, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know if we'll get some news midweek where we get a little bit more clarification on that, but it's really worrisome. And for me, this means Damian Pierce RB3 at best. Uh, and honestly we could find out next week that it should be much lower if this trend continues with Devin Singletary, at least keeping up with him in snaps. All right, let's move on to the weekly headlines. I've got to get into some of the more important nuggets of information that I found going through these box scores, looking at all the details here. Zay flower finds the end zone, his first touchdown of the year. Eight targets, six catches, 50 yards, and that touchdown was great to see for him. That was one of the things that's really been holding Zay Flowers back. He's been leading the Ravens in targets. Uh, been having more of a low A dot uh, for the most part so far this year, which we talked about kind of previously. I talked about in the wide receiver rankings episode that I do that those don't really breed a lot of fantasy points. Uh, he's gotten some downfield targets, but not enough. So without the touchdowns, um, he wasn't really scoring that many points. But this week, we get that touchdown, and he has a solid week. Drake London sets a new career high. 12 targets, 9 catches, and a career high, 125 receiving yards, 17 half PPR points. He's now up to 11.6 half PPR points per game since week 2. We know when week 1, he had that one target game. That was kind of an outlier. Uh, but since then, he's been doing well. 11.6 half PPR points, you know, it's not fantastic, but it's not bad considering the offense. He's working his way up in that points per game. Like, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to be excited to play Drake London. He's still wide receiver three for me at this point, but he's like inching towards low-end wide receiver two territory. Uh, it's worth mentioning that the Falcons have passed more than they've run in more games than not so far this year, which is a great sign for the passing offense. Uh, Desmond Ritter had over 300 yards passing in this game. That's two weeks in a row of that, which is great. So he's being able to start supporting these weapons. As I mentioned uh, previously, that we got a Kyle Pitts touchdown today too. So that Atlanta passing offense, while still maybe not that pretty, is starting to give us the fancy points we want. Dalton Schultz has come alive. Seven targets, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown for 12.1 half PPR points i'm sorry that is an incorrect amount of points that would be 14.1 half ppr 
points. He's now had a touchdown in three straight games there for the Texans. Uh, he had a really slow start to the season. It was looking like we might have completely missed on Dalton Schultz. But these last three weeks, he's really come around and it's been thriving there with C.J. Stroud. Chuba Hubbard gets his shot. Miles Sanders misses his first game of the year. Uh, Miles Sanders has been dealing with like really multiple injuries so far this year. And Chuba did well with him. 19 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Caught his one target for two yards. It's a good day. 15.5 half PPR points is a great day for getting to be able to plug in Chuba Hubbard. You know I had to talk about him as Chuba Hubbard was one of my my guys this year. Um, He was my most drafted running back on underdog fantasy this year, uh, which is fantastic for me now that he's getting in there for my best ball teams. Uh, which, you know, speaking of best ball, best ball drafts are still going on. Uh, there's those weekly tournaments that they got every single week. If you want to get in on those, you're not under underdog yet, you can sign up with code GDB for a first-time deposit match up to $100. The 49ers struggle against the Browns' defense. Brock Purdy only had 7.7 fantasy points. Ayuk had 9.6 half PPR points. Kittle had 0.6. Uh, as I mentioned, CMC left this game. He did score a touchdown before that, so he Kind of saved his day, but he definitely didn't reach the, what we wanted because of the injury. Debo Samuel also left the game with the injury, so we can't really hold that against him. But nobody else did anything really in this game. Jordan Mason scored a late touchdown, but it was still under 10 points. Um, the Browns' defense is just absolutely fantastic. We have to we have to know that moving forward. Uh, any team that faces them is getting a downgrade because of how good they are. They've now given up the third least yards to opposing offenses since 1970 through five games they're just fantastic right now the pass rush is incredible the defensive backs are playing amazing like when teams play against the browns you have to downgrade the players the jonathan taylor zach moss split jonathan taylor in this game eight carries for 19 yards six targets Caught five of them for 46 yards. He had nine half PPR points. Not great, but working up from last week. He played 43% of the snaps. He only played 16% last week. Zach Moss had seven carries for 21 yards and a touchdown. Seven targets, six carries, or caught six of them uh, for 38 yards. He had 14.9 half PPR points because of that touchdown. He played 49% of the snaps. So, we're seeing the change happen, uh, which we knew we need to monitor. We talked about this last week. Uh, it does really seem like the Colts are just kind of like slowly working Jonathan Taylor back. I think next week I'd probably guess this is a 60-40 split in Jonathan Taylor's favor. Still not quite where we'd want, but that kind of split I think puts Jonathan Taylor into RB2 territory. And Zach Moss I think is going to stay relevant. Uh, even with that only getting like 40% of the the snaps, we've seen this team be very friendly for the running backs. I would guess even on like a 40% snap share, he's going to be an RB3 for me. Has Michael Mayer arrived? Today he had six targets, caught five of them for 75 yards. That's 10 half PPR points, which is very good for tight ends. Michael Mayer has kind of become like the forgotten about rookie tight end as all the other rookie tight ends have already shown glimpses and flashes uh, up to this point, whereas Michael Mayer hadn't really done much in this offense. We got to see like a little bit last week where he had two catches for 39 yards, 
But this is the week where it's finally started to, I think, flip for him. He played the, his highest percent of snaps and, and ran the most routes he has so far this year. Hopefully he's becoming a part of that offense. I think they kind of need to find that third receiving option. So far this year, it's been Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and that's it at, for for receivers, you know, between wide receivers and tight ends. Josh Jacobs has been heavily involved in the in the passing game, but I think they need that third option in the passing game to really open things up for the option or for the offense. Uh, someone across the middle like that, Michael Mayer, I think he can really, really help that offense and he can really help our fantasy teams if this continues. DeAndre Swift is breaking the Philly running back mold. Uh, in this this game, he had 10 carries for 17 yards, but he had 10 targets, for, and he had eight catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. He did lose a fumble in this game, but he still had 13.8 half PPR points. He's up to 27 targets on the year, and he's just getting more receiving work than Philly running backs have in the past, and that changes the type of running back he is and what we can expect from him. I've had him ranked as an RB1 now for a few weeks, and I think he's going to be staying there because we see this in a game where the rushing is not working. Like, if this was any other Philly running back in the past, this would be an awful day because they wouldn't be involved in the passing game like DeAndre Swift is. But DeAndre Swift is continuing to be a part of that passing game, uh, which is important for him. And uh, it's making him into the best Philly running back we've seen uh, as long as Jalen Hurts has been there. Last one I've got before I get out of here is Kirk Cousins' first game without Justin Jefferson. He was 21 to 31 for 181 yards and a touchdown, lost a fumble, 8.74 fantasy points against a bad Bears defense. Not great. Uh, this was a really ugly game for the Vikings offense. Uh, also, you know, them only running 31 pass plays is a little bit concerning because we we kind of talked about this before in previous shows that part of the reason why Kirk Cousins has been good more often than not this year is because they the Vikings pass a lot. Uh, they did not run very, very many plays this game. They were in under 60 plays, which is not ideal. I don't know what happened here because that Bears defense is not good. Um, it's possible that the loss of Justin Jefferson truly means like the offense has dropped down so much that it's hard to rely on Kirk Cousins. I have a hard time believing that to be completely true. Like I think Kirk Cousins is still going to be at least a streaming quarterback uh, moving forward. Losing Justin Jefferson obviously hurts, but I I'd like to think that he's better than this. The Vikings are better than this, um, but obviously it does knock him down. And like I said, I, I think he's just a streaming QB moving forward, but that wraps up this episode of the good, the bad, and the box score. As I said in the beginning, if you're enjoying the content that we do and you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It means everything to us. In the description of this video, you'll also find the link to our free Discord where there's conversations happening every single day. You can also find the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. In that Patreon for free, you will find the link to our Clips catalog where we alphabetically and chronologically list hyperlinks to clips on our YouTube of us and the players that we talk about. Like I said, like, subscribe, follow all those things. You can find JDWB on Twitter at JDWB underscore FF. You can follow me on Twitter at YFB underscore FF. I'll see you next time.